You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. I know some people have been asking. We will have a football podcast later on this week. Uh, we are going to do one more basketball one just because the news is a little bit more hot. Uh, if, if the Michigan football team had opened a spring game or, or given us something to talk about, then, then yes, that would be the hot news. But, but this is going to be an episode about uh, basketball and in kind of the off season, which is arguably going to be the biggest off season or busiest off season, at least uh, in college basketball history. Later on this week, you can expect uh, I'll see how exactly we slice it, but it's going to essentially be a things we learned from spring practice, combining a little bit of the inside intel with what we learned in interviews. Uh, so it should be should be a fun episode for those who, who want the football stuff. But for those who want the basketball, well, keep listening uh, because there's a lot going on. You can read all of our stories over at the Michigan Insider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Gone in depth on on this stuff. I had a had a breakdown of of kind of an early guess and also the, the pros and cons of seven different Michigan players staying or going. And then today I did a, uh, since some players are choosing to go, I did a, um, a breakdown of the, well, I, I don't even remember how many it was, eight or nine transfer targets that, that kind of stood out to me as, as guys Michigan might go after. In this episode, uh, we're going to kind of flesh those two things together. We're going to look at each position look at who might stay, who might go, um, how well-equipped Michigan's incoming freshman classes to replace uh, the players that are departing, and then also kind of assess how important it is for Michigan to get a transfer at each position. So let's start at the one that's probably the busiest right now, and that is point guard. So departing, Mike Smith. Incoming, Frankie Collins. Uh, You could also... Maybe play Zeb. I mean, Zeb Jackson has played point guard uh, throughout throughout his high school career. I know he's more of a two guard last season. But Steve, I guess first, how well? I guess we could, we could start with the transfer portal. That's probably the most pressing question people want to know. I think this is the most important position for Michigan to get a transfer. Uh, I, you know, this isn't a dig on Frankie Collins, who I believe is number fifty one in the 2021-24-7 sports composite. Uh, seems like a really, uh, really, really good offensive point guard. I, it's hard to tell since I'm mainly resigned to highlight reels. Uh, it's hard to tell exactly how good he'll be on defense or how quickly he'll be at a college level of defense, but seems like a really good player. I still think, similar to last season, they need experience at that position. They need someone who has done it before. Uh, you know, Juwan Howard doesn't coach the point guards quite as, uh, I mean, the playbook isn't quite as thick as John Beeline's was for the point guard and, and the, the reliance on that position isn't quite as high under Juwan Howard, but it's still pretty high. I mean, Mike Smith came in and did a lot. And, and I think, I don't think it's quite as dire because I do think Frankie Collins is a little bit more uh, college ready to run point than, than uh, Zeb Jackson was last season but if you are 
if you're Michigan, the only player you know who can play point that is on the team is Frankie Collins. Now we'll see. We'll talk about Eli Brooks a little bit more in a moment. Uh, but with Mike Smith moving on, which frankly, I mean, he, I think he turns 24 in October. I, I understand. I think he has two degrees, one from Columbia, one from Michigan. I can see where he might be ready to, to, to give it his best shot in the pros. Uh, but with, with, with uh, Mike Smith moving on, how important, maybe like a one to 10 gauge, is it for Michigan to get a transfer at the point guard position? I mean, what, eight, nine? I, I'm with you all the way about it being the most important position because point guard is arguably the most important position as far as tournament runs and, and winning things yep. goes. It's the straw that stirs the drink uh, for everybody else. So, to you know, and again, and, and, I, and it's funny because I say this as thinking, like, Frankie Collins is my favorite player to watch in this class for them. I think, like you said, I think he'll get there defensively. Uh, he does have to work on his outside game a little bit. I think he's a little questionable from the outside, but explosive, uh, just a really fun player to watch, you know, and as a guy, I think he's going to be a great player at some point, but even if like you can't, like it's not, it's not something you want to put all your chips in for this next season. You know, you at the very least, you have to bring somebody in. You know, with the with as many names that are in the portal now, I think you're in a position, especially if you're Michigan, you can get a guy that could come right in, come and play right away, and be an impact guy. They may be able to get somebody that maybe better than Mike Smith was for him. Really, I mean, that's how many names and players there are out there, uh, and that's with Smith making a much bigger impact than I think we thought he would uh, when he first committed. But yeah, despite all of Collins' talent, you need more there. And that's even if Eli if Eli Brooks was to come back even then. Because I think best-case scenario, you want Brooks playing the same spot he was last year. Um, right. Yeah. Right. You know, although, I mean, you could argue the – depending on if – you know, because there's there are a lot of good twos out there also in the portal. I mean, there's – Michigan does have options in that regard. But think you'd like to find a true point guard – to at the very least maybe groom Collins or give Collins a little more time to maybe seize that job later in the season or, you know, however, but absolutely. Is it the most important spot for them? I don't even think it's close. Yeah. I, and, and the other thing is, and I, I don't mean, again, this isn't meant to be a slight at the recruits, but, the evaluations this year or this past recruiting cycle, they're going to be as variant as they've ever been. I think, I, I don't know if it, I would describe it as the recruiting services are going to miss a lot of guys. I mean, the, the fact is without AAU ball last summer and with so many different schools and States having different high school schedules, this is a very tricky year to gauge what someone's going to look like in year one on a college campus. And so for, I mean, Frankie Collins, I, my assumption is that he arrives in June. I mean, that is not, that's not enough time for Michigan to know uh, by the time they need to like really get a transfer solidified. That's not enough time over the summer for them to, to know if Frankie Collins is going to be the guy. So, I mean, part of it is 
you also want to kind of hedge yourself a little bit in the sense where you're like, well, hey, two point guards who can probably play is, is a lot better than one. And, and I and I will say to your point about the straws during the drink. I don't think anybody would say Mike Smith was Michigan's best player this season. But what on earth would this team look like without him? I don't think that they are winning the Big Ten. I don't think they're a one seed. And I don't think they're going to the Elite Eight. So first of all, I mean, in some sense, hats off to Mike Smith for making making it look really easy to come in and and learn a new offense and you know build chemistry with a with a new set of teammates. Um, you know, play at a different level of basketball as well as he did, led the Big Ten in assists. But yeah, it's it's um I think it's paramount. And so actually when I did the transfer, look, I'm I'm with you, Steve. There's a lot of two guards. Uh, a few three guards that are really good as well, but it was mostly guys who I thought could maybe play point or at least play guard, you know, one or with a one or the two to help give them a little bit of a rotation in there. So looking at the transfer targets, uh, I didn't put them in a strict order, but one thing to your point about, is there someone better than Mike Smith? I don't know if there's a better fit than Mike Smith, but also you don't know that at, at this stage in the game, but there are players who were legitimate starters on power five teams at guard who are in this portal. Adam Miller from Illinois, uh, obviously Michigan, someone Michigan was interested in late in the recruiting cycle last year, uh, started every game for the Illini averaged 8.2 points. He's in the portal. That will be a very interesting uh, transfer Saga, because I think he's one of the more surprising players to enter the portal this cycle. Jacob Young from Rutgers, he this would be his his sixth season in college. He played two at Texas, sat out a year to transfer, played two at Rutgers, um, had a pretty good season, 14.1 points, 1.9 rebounds, 3.4 assists. And, and I think he was in the top five in the Big Ten in steals, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Marcus Carr. Kind of feel like Michigan's not going to wait because I assume Carr is gonna gonna give the NBA as hard of a look as any transfer. Uh, but but obviously he can play. He can play in the Big Ten. Uh, can can do an awful lot. Four point nine assists per game. Nineteen point four points per game. Mac McClung entered the portal last night. I think it's still too early to to see what he's thinking. Another guy who probably could look harder at the NBA, but start at Texas Tech. Uh, Matt Bradley from Cal um, kind of played a little bit more of a Sean D Brown type of role, but, but is, is able to play points if he needed. Rasir Bolton, Iowa State. Jalen Pickett from Siena, I think is someone that the board, our message board is very interested in. Uh, Three-time all Metro Atlantic conference player. Uh, won the player of the year, led the league in assists three years in a row, 6'4", from, from the Albany area. A um, couple other guys. But, but Steve, anyone really jump out to you as someone, if you were in Juwan Howard's shoes, X player is your first phone call. Anyone or any particular trait you're looking for? Because this portal, I mean, players are going to be entering every single day. Any Anyone really jump out at you or any traits you're looking for? I mean, Miller just seems like the natural first option, at least, doesn't he? 
just because of well, how I listed hard... him as it. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, no. I know. I'm no. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. Oh saying, no. I'm. Like... I'm in agreement because I mean he's from Chicago, played high school ball three miles from where Jawan Howard grew up. Right. They recruited the hell out of him. I mean, there was mutual interest. They came time. in super late in the process. At least my recollection is. Yes. He he answered the phone. Yep. They almost like they were they were in it. And like you said, came in last minute. I mean, they, he's a guy that with Dasun. I mean, I don't know if they've any of those guys have official like Dasun who hasn't officially announced, but I can't see him coming back. To I think he has. Oh, did he already? Okay, I think he did. Um, Kofi is not, but but I mean, this is a guy. If you were an Illinois fan, you were probably counting on fifteen points a game next year, right? I mean, like that's he's a a big impact kind of player and so just a fit for a lot of different reasons you know that regard I guess the only the the question may be he'd be the same number level option for Michigan that he was last year for Illinois you know maybe he's a guy looking for to be that number one or number two guy but also that begs the question why leave Illinois in the first place then uh at worst would have been their third option probably second if Kofi leaves you know, with Curbelo. So he seems like the natural fit. Uh, I did see the buzz on our board about Pickett. That's another one that has a lot of Mike Smith to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that but he's 6'4". So. Right. Well, which <laughs> might, that's a fascinating, you know, maybe makes him more, you know, higher ceiling. So I saw, I saw your article, which well done. Great article. Good insight on that. Um, as a guy, like the question really is, could he play defense at this level? And that was the question with Mike Smith. You know, I thought Mike Smith got a lot better as the season went on. Not a guy I'd yeah, say he was, was a, a willing defender for right, sure. Not a stopper, but he was far better defensively than I think we anticipated he would be based on even just watching him, watching his stuff at Columbia, right? I mean, he just uh, really took his game to the next level in that regard. So those are really the two. And McClung just doesn't feel like a guy. I don't know, but this is where it's like different now. Michigan is a destination now, mm-hmm. right? And that's where it's like a little bit different as far as like, I think for a transfer situation, Michigan can go toe to toe with Kentucky and some of these other programs because the success is there on the court and the success in, you know, what they did with both Brown and Smith is not yeah. going to, it's going to help them. You know, it was like to say like, Hey, like, you know, Mike Smith might play professional ball now because of what he did for us in this one year where he may not have if he had just graduated from Columbia and gone right to try to go pro, you know, out of the Ivy League. So that's one area where I think it'll be interesting, but it does. It feels like you, know, you talk about a 180. I mean, it's just Michigan uh, recruited well under John Beeline, but it just feels like now they're much – they've they're like much more in that like, you know, the conversation. Maybe they wouldn't have let like a – well, I guess Josh Christopher committed, you know, they did lose a couple guys, but they just feel like a destination, like a blue blood level recruiting power right now. And I think that's going to help them in these situations as you figure most of these guys that are leaving are looking for, I think the pros is always the primary driver here, right? That's why you find right. a better fit to make yourself look more attractive for when you go to play professionally. And it's hard to argue with Michigan you know, Howard's experience, all the same stuff that helped him sign the top recruiting class, you know, will help them with this transfer situation. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Michigan is a, is a destination because they have a really likable coach. There is proof in winning. And I think every time Michigan has a completely different roster that makes a run or hangs a banner or is a top five team. Cause I think this is the third team since 2013 that has finished in the top five in the postseason polls, like after the, after the tournament. So um, even though they didn't make the final four, they were, they were voted number four in that postseason coaches poll. And, and suddenly, so suddenly you're just a power that does this with regularity. It's not a, a good group of players that came and helped your program. It's, it's becoming cyclical. Um, so I agree they're, they're a destination in a lot of ways. I think a couple things that will hurt them and might, might hurt them in, in, with some of these star players, like these guys that everyone in the country is going after is one. I don't think there's a single transfer in the portal that would lead Michigan in scoring, you know, with, with Caleb Houston, uh, Musa Dibati, uh, Hunter Dickinson, literally led the team in scoring last season. So it's not like he's, I mean, it sounds like feel pretty comfortable saying he's coming back. And so um, some of these guys, you know, think about Adam Miller. If it's ironic because some of the blue bloods you're talking about, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, you could argue North Carolina. Um, I don't want to ruffle any feathers by, because I know the blue blood debate is always up there, but like someone like Michigan state, I mean, there are, there are programs that are in more dire need of a top scorer than Michigan that have, you know, this is the same appeal, the legendary coaches, the regular success. Virginia is actually another school. Um, you know, they've lost a lot of guys to the portal. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of Chris Beard at Texas. It's another guy. I got to think he'll be aggressive in the portal once he kind of gets settled in. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to see one who Michigan reaches out to but two who also picks up the phone um, just because maybe, you know, Adam Miller, if, if I, if he committed to Michigan tomorrow, I'd say he's probably going to be the number two or number three scorer on the team. And he might be looking for somewhere where he can be number one. He might've left Illinois due to just a personality fit or a change of scenery. Um, but, but my guess is that he was not, not happy with Illinois, not interested in continuing to play there. And so then uh, that brings up the other point is, and Juwan Howard's talked about this. Uh, I think, I think he last talked about it after he won the national coach of the year for the AP. He had a press conference. I asked him about the transfers and he immediately went to, you can't just add guys to the locker room blindly. Like you have to do a lot of research, a lot of homework, a lot of vetting um, kind of sounded like an NBA coach when he talked about it um because it is i mean it's similar it's a free agent some some guys are only in it for themselves and you have to decide is that going to help your team or is it going to hurt your team and that's that's not an implication toward anyone i put on my list but that is the other part of it so if you see some player michigan never reached out to them or whatever um Perhaps there was some vetting involved or, or there was some vetting from the player himself and said, I probably have a better opportunity to look, to stand out on draft boards. If I go somewhere else, somewhere that doesn't have a second team, all American big man already on the roster. So I'm hey, going to be... hey, do you, 
what do you think of that though? Do you agree with that logic? Do you think you have to be the number one guy to make be most attractive on NBA boards? I just don't like that. Just seems like such a flawed. Well, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, it. you I can't be, say... you can't be too, I'm not, you can't be too far down the pecking order. Don't get me wrong. But if, if, a, let's just say if an Adam Miller came in next year, say he committed to Michigan and let's say he was the second or third leading score on the team played what played, you know, just played good all around basketball. I mean, you know, like that's, I just, I, it's, I agree. It, it is how it is how it goes. I just think it's such an interesting line of thing. Like being the man, is that, you know, always necessarily going to get you the most shine on, you know, from the NBA? I don't know. I just say it's interesting. So a couple things. You're right, because Franz Wagner was Michigan's number three scorer, and he's going to be a, well, based on latest mock drafts, a lottery pick. So there is something to be said for that. But when I see someone like, like Trey Young puts up 21 shots a game. I mean, it, it's easier to stand out if you score a lot of points and if you're the leading scorer a lot. Because you're right. I mean, an NBA player is going to show themselves an NBA, NBA player at Michigan. But if you are, I don't know, Mac McClung, and you go from 15 points per game on a pretty good Texas Tech team. I mean, it's not like they were no, a nobody. I think they were... Uh, top 20 in Ken Palm. I don't know where they were in the other rankings, but, um, and then you come to Michigan, you average 11 points per game or 10. I, I think your draft stock gets hurt a little bit. I don't think anyone's like looking at a direct loss in production and being like, well, now I want that guy even more, you know? So it's just, I, I think I'm not speaking to someone like a Shondi Brown or Mike Smith necessarily because I think those are players that needed to show that they could do it on a good team. But I'm thinking of, of someone like, well, I mean, I guess we could use Marcus Carr as an example, 19.5 points for Minnesota. If he comes to Michigan and averages 11.1 points per game, and he's getting a lot of passes to Hunter Dickinson. Do you, I, I have to think that hurts his draft stock. It certainly, it, it, you know, and you also have to factor in, he's a year older. He probably could have scored 20 points per game at a tournament team somewhere else. So it, I can see where I, your point is sound. Being on a good, being a great player on a good team, on a great team is really valuable. And you'll, you'll have an opportunity to show what you can do over 31 games. But averaging 18 points a night, for a fine team might get you noticed a little bit more. And, and I would say the evidence of that is all these first round picks that come out of Washington, all these first round picks that come out of LSU, all these first round picks that come out of, you know, insert, I don't know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, they go up and down, I guess, as a team, but uh, think about Oklahoma state. They're another team that just had a, just had a guy score a bajillion points a game. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's something every player is going to look at, though, I think, and, and, and make their own decision. But I, I, I think with some players, Michigan's going to struggle just because they have a good team already. And, and that helps Michigan because they can be picking the portal. But it also hurts Michigan because they're not like, we desperately need 
someone to score points for us or someone to put up a lot of shots for us. And, and so, um, yeah, as far as, as far as the, the, the guys on the list, I, I'm very intrigued by Pickett. I think he's someone six, four played, you know, for strong AAU and, and high school teams, um, has done it three years in a row. He's not a flash in the pan. He's someone I'm very intrigued by. Obviously, a lot of a lot of teams that aren't Michigan are also intrigued by it, by him. Um, you know, Bradley and Bolton are two guys. I think if if Michigan does its homework and concludes, you know, they pass the the test of this will work in our locker room and this will work in in what Michigan's trying to accomplish on the court. Uh, I think I think they're two underrated guys. Obviously, everyone talks about Marcus Carr. Adam Miller is is someone who um, someone who a lot of people immediately were like, would Michigan be interested right after he hit the portal? Um, that would be a fascinating storyline, though, if, if he if he was interested in Michigan just because of all the back and forth. I, mean, I think he even joined in a little bit on the social media, like against Michigan and and pro Illinois during that like two week that two week rivalry, whatever that was. Um, what do you think of Jacob Young? I think he's someone that, that actually makes a lot of sense for Michigan. Uh, just the way, the way he plays defense, the way he's able to be a, a um, distributor. I think the, the fact that he has done it in the big 10, maybe not at Marcus Carr's level, but at a pretty good level, I think on that on that entire list, I think Jacob Young is the name that stands out to me. Obviously, age is something to consider. Um, he is looking for a business degree, and and I don't I don't know if Michigan's ever had a an athlete getting an MBA at the same time, at least not in the modern era. Um, so that would be interesting. I know they have a master's in management program as well, but um, seems like he could be an academic fit or academically interested in Michigan as well. Um, so that's. That's probably the guy that, that that stands out to me the most, at least among those point guards or you know one or two guard type guys that I listed on the on the list. He seemed pretty good. Any any additional thoughts on on these guys? If Young was to play for Michigan, Michigan would immediately become the this most disliked team if they're not already because <laughs> he likes to yap a lot. If I remember watching Rutgers. Um, bring he'd bring a lot of energy Mm -hmm. right on both ends of the floor he's one reminds me a little bit of Carr. uh plays a little bit like michigan might have to rein him in a little bit on the offensive end i feel like okay uh you know you know how i feel about marcus Carr. marcus Carr, i think could be one of the two or three best players in the big 10 but just goes through spurts taking highly questionable shots and uh yeah yeah he, they, they did, did have some injuries in his defense i but. know but even before even last year like it wasn't just a this year thing though i mean i right, felt like he's right. a guy um i liked watching him play but just i know a good minnesota fan or a guy that used to be a writer in our network guy i messaged him once like how do you feel about marcus Carr? and he's like basically want to pull it love him but it makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes and like he he reminds me of when you're playing like a video game and you like want your guy to score a lot of points yeah no so that's, you put him in all these high degree that, of difficulty situations 100 yeah. percent. and so young i don't think quite the same but i think a little bit though offensively i think he's a guy that 
forces things, but defensively he's excellent. I mean, you said leading steel guy in the big 10, but just also a great defender and you can never have enough good perimeter defenders, uh, let alone a veteran of his ability. So I, you know, I think he's another one right up there as being the best, maybe the best fit. I just think, like I said, I think if anything offensively, you know, it'd be interesting to see how Michigan kind of molded him and got him into the mix from an offensive standpoint. Cause I think he'd have a little bit to work on there. Yeah, fair enough. And, and he's another guy that's getting a lot of interest. I know his dad was a, was a legend at Houston. Um, he's from the Houston area as well. So perhaps one of those Texas teams tries to reach out, but uh, anyway, that's, that's going to do our point guard discussion on the other side. We'll be much quicker with the other positions just because there's a little bit less, less transfer urgency, spoiler alert. We're going to hit a quick break. We'll be back with more on the other side. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So at the two guard, Eli Brooks is, is the potential returnee. Um, I think of all the players, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe he's the one Michigan has been the most confident, or I, I would say the, the rumor mill has been the most confident that, that he would return. Uh, certainly not a done deal. I mean, there's so many factors to consider. My understanding is he's going to have a degree this spring. Um, so he would have to find, select and pursue a master's degree. Uh, he's been a two-year starter. His re- remarkably similar stats these two years. So um, if he came back, I think it would be to be a captain, to be to enjoy kind of a, a true senior season in the sense of fans in the stands and and that whole deal um it would be because he wants to not necessarily because he's like i don't think it would help his pro stock i don't think it would help his um you know nba draft stock or anything like that it would be because he wants to be a part of it for another season but he would be a huge player to bring back Uh, i think he would i mean Seems like fans have finally fully come around on him as like a leader, a true blue guy, you know, really gritty, really good defender, um, pretty good shooter, you know, pretty, pretty good. I, I don't think point guard was like, I think he might think more highly of it than, than maybe an outsider, but seemed like he was a little bit more comfortable. I'm with you in that, in that two guard role, that catch and shoot role. 
Even if he doesn't come back, though, Steve, I, I feel like Michigan has to like what it has still on, on the roster. I mean, especially um, Kobe Bufkin. You know, I think he's someone that can make an, an immediate impact. I think he was number 43 in the 2021 recruiting rankings. He was a McDonald's All-American. Uh, and then Zeb Jackson, you know, who actually played Actually, already has a year of college experience. A former top 100 recruit, uh, 6'5", which is pretty good length for, for a two-guard position. So I guess the one question I would have, and I did include some other guards. I think Matt Bradley was one of them. Um, uh, Mike Nuga from Kent, Kent State. Uh, and then obviously I had, had a few names at the bottom that I was intrigued by. Does Michigan need a transfer to replace Shondi Brown? I mean, looking at this roster, you know, a couple guys who at the two guard position who did not play very much uh, is, is Jace Howard and Adrian Nunez. Hard to tell what, what they're, what they would look like uh, next season. So they're actually a little thin at guard, even just beyond the point guard situation with Shondi Brown's departure. Is it thin enough to pursue a transfer there or, or with Bufkin and Jackson and the, I would say slightly above 50, 50 possibility Brooks returns, maybe like a 60, 40, 70, 30 uh, is Michigan relatively content at guard outside of point guard, the other guard spot in your opinion. Feels like it. I mean, I, I think it's, I think as it goes with, uh, you know, the transfer portal much newer until last year for basketball, like football, we've talked about it maybe a little bit longer. I always look at it as like, if you can improve your roster, then you take the opportunity, but it doesn't, um, you know, that doesn't mean you reach. And this is a, it's a spot where, yeah, I mean, it feels like this is where you've recruited a pretty high level mm-hmm. of player at this position the last couple of classes and that's that's the benefit of recruiting as well as they have is these guys should be able to make an impact. You know whether it's Zeb or Kobe Bufkin uh, should be able to get something from those guys with maybe a higher ceiling than what you've had in the past if things work out right. I mean, yeah, Bufkin, a top fifty player who really sometimes you wonder with those like he rose consistently near the end. You kind of wonder he might be even better than one of the 45 best players. Okay. He might have been closer to five-star range. You know, it's one of those, if they had kept ranking guys, you know, he may have continued to move up. So there is that. So from my standpoint, not a spot where I think it's super pressing necessarily, right? Probably on the lower end of the five positions. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the big question is, is Michigan knows this better than we do because he did not play very much. I mean, Zeb Jackson averaged 1.0 points per game. That's not, I mean, that's less than Charles Matthews averaged at Kentucky. So, and that's not a dig at Zeb. It's just the fact of the matter is we, I can't sit here and say, I know Zeb will be blank. And so if Eli Brooks, I think if Eli Brooks comes back, I don't, I think you're, you don't necessarily go get a guard. I think you look more toward a wing, like a six, six guy. Uh, But, but I think the big question is, what do you, what did you see from Zeb Jackson this season in practice? And is, is, 
is the potential there? Not that I, I say the potential. Is there a path to him being a a true starter level, if not starter, first or second guy off the bench level player consistently next season? Because you do need some someone to come off the bench. Um, and I, I'd argue, I mean, I don't think that's why they lost to UCLA, but you know, I think I'd argue that that was one of Michigan's weaknesses this season is they had one or two guys that could come off the bench and every, everyone else was uh, a significant drop-off. So I think you take a look and, and I I'm with you. I mean, you might as well make some phone calls. It only increases the odds that your team is better. Uh, you know, someone like, like Timmy Allen from Utah. I mean, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to put all your chips or you don't have to like go all in, but you might as well make a phone call. If he's interested, then you, then you see what's next. Uh, and if, and if he's not, then you, Head down the list. Iowa State's Jalen Coleman Lands was someone that was interested in Michigan last season. Uh, ended up going to Iowa State, scored 14.2 points per game. He'd be a sixth year guy or seventh year guy, excuse me. He turns 25 in July. Um, but, you know, UNLV's Bryce Hamilton uh, is, an, is another guy. I mean, I think it's, I think it's worth asking, but I, I don't think that's a position where you take a true shot on a mid-major guy who might not be as productive as you thought. Maybe I'm, I mean, maybe you do if, if you really like what they can do on film, but I, I think that's a spot where you kind of invite a spot. We're talking a little bit about the two and the three here. Um, I think it is a spot where you, well, you try to find a mid-major guy who wants to win and score points. I mean, cause that's, that's what you need. It's, it's a scoring. They need a little bit more scoring there. Um, could use a little bit of experience and that's speaking of both Zeb and Kobe Bufkin. Cause I think combined they have less than 200 minutes of, of college basketball experience. So um, yeah, I think there's room too, but I think it's more of a, you make you you call the guys you really like and see see what they say. At the three position, kind of the wing role, Franz Wagner, I fully expect him to depart. I, that's kind of more of a of a when he announces, not an not an if, at least in my estimation. Um, but he's projected to be a top fifteen pick by pretty much everybody. So, so clearly, um, has a I would expect him to go. Caleb Houston has kind of been cited as the starter at the three and he he's a very good shooter. I uh, six foot eight, 210, 15 pounds. Um, you know, probably as college ready as it gets played several years at, at uh, Montverde, the, the prep school. So seems like he could kind of jump right in and fill that Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers role. But behind him, I mean, this is this is where Michigan is in a tricky spot because it's very hard to recruit guys and say, come to our school, you'll come off the bench. Don't go to that school where you'd be a starter. Come here and be come off the bench. But there are so many players in the transfer portal. I almost wonder if this is a spot where maybe Michigan lets the dust settle a little bit, um, sees what they have in someone like Isaiah Barnes, uh, who I know you're very high on, Steve. 
Um, see what you have. I mean, Terrence Williams is more of a four, but could probably play the three. So I, I think it's somewhere maybe Michigan waits a little bit and sees if they can get a guy who, who wants to be a part of a winning team. You know, they might not score even eight points a game, but they want to be a part of a winning team. They want to help with the depth. What, what are your thoughts on the three position? Pretty much the same as you. Uh, yeah, Houston. Yeah, most col- most game ready guy that they recruited. Which I mean, he's the highest ranked guy, but like he's game ready from, like not like how do you say it? Like from just not just being super talented, if that makes sense. Like it's just a he plays a very cerebral brand of ball for being a five star. I think I when I talked about him before. Like his highlight video isn't just him dunking all over everybody for two and a half minutes. Like it's, he's a good defender. He's a leader on an uber talented high school team. And as a guy that, like I said, I thought played the type of basketball that Juwan Howard is going to love as far as a guy who makes the extra pass, not a guy out hunting for stats. You know, it just seems like a guy consistently, you know, he kind of reminded me of, and I, I don't know if this is something that, was maybe I read this somewhere else or something, but it's something that kind of, he kind of reminds me of a Shane Battier type guy. Um, okay. You know, as a, just, you know, Battier was how he played the game in college. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives me a little bit of that vibe. He won't stay four years like Battier did at Duke or I don't know how much, maybe Battier stayed three or whatever, but either way, kind of gave me, kind of reminds me of him a little bit. And um, again, not saying that that's the impact he makes right away next year, but I just think as a guy that shows a lot of that, the intangible side of the game. uh, And and that's why, yeah. But either way, like you said, besides that, it's hard to say. I am very high on Isaiah Barnes also, but, you know, that's, it's hard to know, you know, if he can be an immediate impact guy as well. Also, you know, he, to me, he's a guy that might be next year type deal, but. He has to be the most uh, mysterious, maybe overstates it, but he has to be the the recruit uh, in this class that maybe has the highest variance because he was a late rising recruit. I mean, he he like blew up during the pandemic. Um, You know, obviously there wasn't a ton of AAU opportunities to kind of see what he looks like against against top competition. He played for Simeon uh, in Chicago but they also didn't start to get to play until well after he had already signed with Michigan. And so, um, and, and obviously having that long of an off season can be really difficult. So yeah, he's, he's very fascinating because um, I think sometimes Chicago guys, I think Iodasunmu clearly was underrated. I know he was a top 40 recruit, but he, he wasn't a five-star. Um, so clearly he was some of those underrated. I think sometimes just because um you know, it's not, it's not the same kind of like, like as all the national prep schools, there aren't quite as many teams that play national schedules. I think sometimes Chicago players, similar actually to Detroit players sometimes, I think can get a little overlooked in the recruiting rankings. Um, but he's someone that's very fascinating. And obviously if he's good, so they have Houston kind of as, as the immediate starter and then, and then Barnes is kind of the, the number two guy. Then maybe they're good. They're in good shape, but um, there's a lot of good wings in the portal. 
Steve, one to 10, how, how hard do you look for a transfer to maybe help give you some experience there? Four or five. Okay. Right. Somewhere in the middle. Similar, maybe a little bit higher than the guard position. Yep. Keep your eye, ear, ear to the ground, but don't reach because you do have a lot of talent there. Yeah. So at the four position, I think they're good. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on it. I mean, Brandon Johns looked like a starter caliber power forward. I think Houston can play that position with his size and, and length. Um, Musa Jabadi, another five-star guy. I don't, I don't know what Michigan views him, if, if he's a true small ball big man or if he's kind of the in the Brandon Johns role. Um, but he can play there. Terrence Williams can play there. Feel feels like that's one spot where they're probably not even gonna look in the portal. I mean, I guess maybe you always take a peek, but um, feels like one spot where they're good, and and that's even with the Isaiah Livers loss. Um, you know, I, I would fully, I would expect him to go. I mean, that might be one of the easiest decisions. Uh, maybe he takes a second guess to pause and think about if he wants another NCAA tournament, but, but I wouldn't expect that to be the case. Um, I would give it like a zero out of 10 transfer portal for the, for the four position. Yep. yep. I agree. Not much to say there. Okay. Last one where it gets in a little interesting and perhaps you and I disagree. I don't know if we're on the same page, but the center position, this is where it, I mean, you're obviously not recruiting a starting center because <laughs> Hunter Dickinson is a starting center. I mean, he's he's probably the most sure thing on the entire team heading into next season. Uh, but but if Austin Davis does not return for a what would be a sixth season, which I mean, I don't know the nature of his master's degree program, he might be out of things to study. <laughs> like he, I mean, <laughs> that's the that's the weird part about this COVID additional year thing is like it's really changing a lot of the academic plans that some of these players had. And so, um, I mean, if he's already got an undergrad degree and a master's degree, I mean, the, I think he's a movement science major. They might literally not have anything else for him to do. <laughs> we start, I guess he could start working on his PhD, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, if he does not return, I think Michigan goes up to eight, even though, I mean, Austin Davis was never going to start. I mean, he wasn't ever going to be a, a star player for Michigan. I think suddenly Michigan has to has to look really hard at a center in the transfer portal, which is tricky because, again, you're basically saying, come be the backup to a guy we expect to play 30 minutes a night. But I think every – I think a backup center is one, is a very important position it's kind of like a third string running back almost. I mean, maybe, maybe even a second string running back where even if you have an all American, they can't play every minute. They get into foul trouble. They get tired. They get, they have, you know, tough matchups where they're, where they're exhausted every play. Um, so I think suddenly there's a big need. And I think that's where I'd be very interested to see how Michigan approaches it because it, that's where it probably would be a mid-major guy who wants to be a part of a winning team who might not even be a starter caliber player, but, but maybe you can just get five or t eight, 10 minutes from him 
So I think there's, there's a relative importance because I, I think, I think it's unfair to Brandon Johns. I think it's unfair to um, Moose Giovanni that to, to have them pl- play both positions. If they come in and they say, coaches, I want to be a five. I want to be a backup big man. I want that backup center role. Then great. Then you have it. But my guess is they want to play a little bit more of a power forward role. And if that's the case, I think it's, I think it's really, um, I think it's very difficult for, for someone to, to continue to learn both the, the way Michigan runs things, the way they, what they ask out of both positions are, are two very different things. Um, you know, credit to Brandon Johns for kind of coming alive in the Isaiah livers role, but he was, there were some, some ups and downs, I guess, with that when he was playing the backup five. So yeah, I think, I think it becomes maybe the second most important place to add a transfer. If, if Davis leaves, if he comes back, then you're basically running back the same thing and you're adding a five stars. You don't do anything, but if, if he departs, I think Michigan, I think I'd, I'd give it like a seven out of 10 to look for a transfer there. That'd be the second most important spot, right? Have to give somebody some Dickinson will need relief. If there's nobody behind him, that's worth anything. Teams are just going to attack, 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 get him in foul trouble and which they are probably going to anyway, you know, and, and yeah, true push to the bench. But yeah, I mean, backup centers massive, like, you know, Davis played such a bigger role for Michigan. It was way more than what he put in the box score, right? I mean, those minutes are so valuable to not just give your star center rest, but, yeah, to keep them out of foul trouble, allow them to play aggressively um, throughout the game, right? You know, because if you're in foul trouble, you got to play tentatively. Your whole gate, the way you play on both ends of the floor has to change a little bit. So, you know, it's that's where it's paramount. You know, if Davis leaves, that's a spot. Yeah, they're really going to have to look hard, I feel like. Yeah, I am counting 14 games where Dickinson, as good as he was, played fewer than 25 minutes. And I think I'm only counting five games. Uh, if I missed one or two, then, then I did. But only five games where he played at least 30 minutes. So, yeah, you need you need a backup center. And, and that was true under John Beeline. Definitely true under Juwan Howard. Um, you could argue you need a third string center. I, I think they have one in, in between Musa and, and Brandon. Um, they probably have one, but uh, yeah, I think if, if Davis does not come back and I don't think you need like a five-star guy, I don't think you need like the top center transfer, right? but, but you need someone who's going to come in, do work, probably want someone with some size, um, and you also want someone who's going to help get the most out of Hunter Dickinson uh, because, I mean, he has Big Ten Player of the Year potential. Maybe has National Player of the Year potential. I hadn't really thought about it before, but but he probably does. If he was a second-team All-American as a freshman. So you want someone that's going to push him and, and help him in practice too. But you also want someone who can help you win basketball games if – if Dickinson runs into foul trouble, it happens to literally every center. So anyway, that was the position by position. Look, um, Steve, I know we went one by one. Is there anything, anything else you want to mention or anything else that you missed? Not really. I think okay. we pretty much went through it. 
what we need yeah. to do. Obviously, this will be something pretty fluid. We'll add updates when there are updates to be added. Uh, I guess one question I had, are you surprised Michigan has not been linked to anyone yet? Is that, I mean, I'm a little surprised because Mike Smith, I think he declared in what, Thursday, Friday? Um, Michigan probably had a feeling a couple days before that. I'm a little surprised Michigan hasn't been connected, you know, because people tweets uh, transfer Joe Schmo transfer has heard from this school, this school, you know, all these different schools. Michigan, I think they were linked to Fats Russell during like early March. He ended up committing to Maryland. I'm a little surprised I haven't seen Michigan connected to anybody. I, obviously, that can change literally between now and when I, when I publish the podcast. But, but are you a little surprised that Michigan hasn't even seemingly reached out at all so far? Yeah, we haven't seen or heard Michigan for literally anybody yet, right? Yeah. Usually yeah. at least maybe you'd see them like in on the laundry list of like 18 teams that have contacted like player A, right? Like that's usually – Well, players maybe. will mention Michigan because it's a really good way for them to get followers and kind of get a little bit more buzz in their recruitment. But I don't feel like we've even seen that, have we? Not – yeah, right. just Fats Russell, which yeah, you had that, right. who had the Phil Martelli connection um, – but yeah, nobody sense. Right. So yeah, no, pretty surprised. Cause you think a lot of these decisions are going to be made. It won't be a huge waiting game on a lot of these. So no, not at all. I mean, I actually had a guy, uh, Xavier Pinson from Missouri was actually one of the players that was initially on my list. And literally as I was formatting it and publishing it, he committed to LSU. He was He's originally from Chicago, played for Missouri. Um, thought he actually checked a lot of the boxes for Michigan. And he committed to LSU before I could even <laughs> write the story. So um, I guess we'll see. I, I, I have to think eventually they'll get involved. If we're talking about this in two weeks and they still haven't reached out to anybody, I think then it's fair to wonder, is Michigan slow playing it more than they should? Uh, but, but for now, obviously, it's still pretty early. I think they still are awaiting official decisions on Austin Davis and, and Eli Brooks, neither of which will count against the scholarship limit. By the way, we, I've meant to mention this at the top. They have one scholarship opening if Franz Wagner departs. So maybe that's another domino they're waiting to fall to. But they have one scholarship opening if Franz Wagner leaves. If any players transfer or depart, um, then obviously they would have more. But Eli Brooks and Austin Davis would not count against the scholarship limit. So that's not, that's not part of it. Maybe if I'm thinking, putting myself in Michigan shoes, maybe they do want to wait uh, till, till Franz formally declares or gives his indication that he's going to declare before you start reaching out. But, but yeah, it's uh, going to be a situation to monitor because I, you know, we're all writing these stories and doing these podcasts about who might come in and, and to our knowledge, Michigan hasn't gone after anybody yet. So stay tuned to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast and also the MichiganInside.com, Michigan.247sports.com. I'll probably end up doing transfer stories every time there's enough content to do one um, just because it's such a, such a hot discussion right now. Our message board has a little, little bit more of an insider look. Uh, you know, 
guys, Michigan has at least kicked the tires on, even if they haven't formally reached out uh, a couple names to, to keep an eye on. And obviously more as things go on for Steve Lorenz. I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.